Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we are going to be discussing sketches from The Whitest Kids You Know and Above Average. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Video links are on the site and in the show notes. Joining me today, it's Shoah Appleman and Seth Alcorn. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to have on as a guest a member of Bad Medicine, Colin Chocola. Hello. Did I get that right? You got it right. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And like I got five it minutes right. ago. Yeah, well, you know, don't <laughs> peel okay. back the curtain. It's all right. I think like one substitute teacher's gotten it right, and that's about it. That's amazing. Yeah. Even though one would get it is remarkable based yeah. on what you explained. All right. So, Colin, Mr. Chocola, yes. can you tell us about your background in comedy? Sure. So, it's pretty much all video. I was one of those kids that just always brought the camcorder over, no matter what we were doing. Uh, always it was appropriate just make, or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, we won't go too deep into that. <laughs> but... Uh, started making short films in high school, uh, led to me trying to make a sketch comedy show in college. It failed pretty hard the first time. Uh, kind of gave up on that dream until uh, Second Chance came around senior year, and that was my senior year, was producing a sketch comedy show. And um, since then, just been I'm still in video, but I've been producing uh, sketch comedy on the side as much as possible. With Bad Medicine primarily. So what was this college sketch show like? Uh, it was half live, half digital shorts. Uh, we had a host who uh, I started the show with, who I still work with today. We somehow still get along. And he was kind of, he was the host, and we both wrote and directed all the sketches together. And we had a guest every week, and we would try to keep it as topical as possible on the campus. That was one time we had like, the only viral video we had, like on campus, like when I say viral, it's like a twenty four hundred student. But body. still, hey man, um, it just to like poke uh, fun as much as possible at student government and stuff like that. Um, so we tried to keep it as topical. They as were possible. raising your student taxes and all that. Uh, we like found a flaw in like the voting system one time, and we made a big joke about it. And did they changed the system after that? Wow. So we're like, all right, Comment. let's keep doing things like that. And then we like, and then we would keep doing that. It wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> what was the name of the show? Can uh, I find the it pre-recorded late night show. I almost said comedy show. Pre-recorded. We just called it pre-rec for short. And that works for college too. Like yeah. pre-rec was it? Look right. I didn't wow. even think about that. I think it's still running today. Last hey, that's I cool. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. That's um, cool. Have you not, you've not been back to show them how it's done? Uh, I kept in touch with a few of the guys that were still running it and they seemed to, I remember tweeting at them one time to like, I'd be like, call me co-founder. Please call me co-founder. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they called me daddy. And uh, that was like, all right, well, that's probably too far. So let's not, let's, let's cut this off. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting situation that maybe we'd like to hear more about after dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin, can you tell us about some of your, your inspirations for comedy, whether they're like how you try and shoot video-wise, just the stuff that makes you laugh and that you want to mirror your stuff on or anything? So I think... Like approaching sketch today, I always try to like, I'm a big film nerd, so I try to just parody something serious. I think like one thing we always bring up is like, 
uh, Terrence Malick movies where like that is so serious and, and it can be kind of pretentious. How do we like mock that style for a sketch? Uh, that's kind of like how I've approached sketches with people before. It's like, what are we trying to parody here? Even if the sketch isn't a parody, like how do we take that, how do we t- take that look and use that as like a roadmap? And at what point in the process do you, as a person who's involved in video, stop calling it movies and start calling it film? Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I try not to use the word film because, like, that's You've only used precious. It today. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about the same time you start referring to directors as auteurs. Oh, that's that fair. Is, that is when that happens, right? That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. All right, Colin, you want to introduce our first sketch of the day? Sure. Uh, so this sketch comes from um, Why Does Kids You Know? And it is called Happier With Your Mouth Open. And it, it is a sketch about a director uh, trying to get the perfect scene. So we're going to do it again. And this time we're going to go even, even happier and with your mouth open. Okay. Mr. Sheldon, can we talk about this? You're going to be great. You're going to be great. Roger. Yeah, I have a question. Happier, mouth open even more. What? All right, team, time is money. I don't have to tell you that. Let's roll that camera. Action. Detective Murphy, I just got here. What's the story? Well, we got multiple stab wounds on the bodies. Seems like there was a struggle from the upstairs down. Hey, Colin, first, before I ask you why you brought this sketch, I want to tell you that this was a note that was given in every rehearsal of my college sketch comedy group as a, in a reference to this sketch. Oh, this really? was like one of our favorite sketches. We love the whitest kids you know. And oh, so like in almost every okay. sketch, someone would jokingly be, and guys, can you try it happier and with your mouth open every time without fail? And we always laughed because we were all 18. I. I want to come back to that later. All right. So, but first, let's get into why did you bring us a sketch today? Um, a, I don't think you guys have covered Wise Kids You it's Know. It's true. We haven't. It was actually almost the first sketch we did was a Wise Kids You Know oh, sketch. Really? Gallon of PCP. Okay. I almost picked that. So um, that's... But uh, we didn't end up doing it. So this is our first Wise Kids You Know sketch. And B, like this uh, still makes me laugh today. I mean, when I was like 14, watch this with my friends. We would, we thought this was the funniest thing ever. Um, and... Uh, I, the main reason I'm bringing it today is because it shows that simplicity is genius. I don't think the sketch is genius by any means, but it's just so simple. And I think that's what works best for it. It's a pretty, like the joke is not overthought by any means. It is just (laughs) men screaming by the end of it. Yeah. Um, but that's, those are kind of the three main reasons why I brought it. And Seth, as somebody who is done a lot of acting um both serious and comedic what did you think of this sketch whether from that lens or a general lens i i think it's an, an interesting way to to take a look at the tension between what you want a director to do and what they sometimes do i wish i could i certainly nothing this absurd has ever happened to me uh, although you will get something like this sometimes like again not where you unintelligible but they'll ask you to do something really weird for an audition just to see range, see how you can play against what you've practiced doing a monologue with. But um, every so often you'll get a direction from someone and you'll be like, that is not, that is not what we should be doing right here. We should be doing something completely different and I'm not sure why this is happening. So I liked it from that point. And I think uh, my, honestly, my favorite part of the sketch is 
the very end when they cut to the director in the movie theater and he is crying yeah. <laughs> at the beauty of what he has created. Um, and not not to like not to go back to this, but I, I really think it is is making a point of skewering people who would self describe as auteurs. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I think it's a good ending because um, I know a lot of times you guys talk about like does the ending work or not, and oh, I go back. We were going to ask that question too yeah. okay. for this one, oh. but we can talk about it right now. Okay. Do you think this is the right ending, Shoah? Yes. Okay. Why? Um, just because it gives you closure and whenever you do see bad direction, you wonder like, oh, how is this going to end? Just like Seth said, do you mm -hmm. think, oh, it shouldn't happen this way. Well, what's going to make it to the, to the cutting room floor and what's going to make it on screen? And then you see it and then uh, it's just a beautiful, nice button. Colin, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I think what Shoah said, it, it kind of just sums or it like gets to the end product of what they were all working on. And that's like the core of the frustration of the actors, which I maybe is my favorite part. Um, and it, it puts a nice button on it. Like it's that simple. Um, it's an easy, and it was like, I think it's just a good edit. You just go from like, you're going from a completely different timeline and, but just cutting to them in the seats, you're like, Oh, that it's, is, it's really yeah. fluid despite there, there's yeah. no establishing shot. There's no transition. It just cuts right to it, but you immediately know the context and it, it works really well. And, I will say one of the things that actually surprised me was what they were filming in the in the sketch was a movie. It, it really felt like an episode of Law and Order to me right. at the beginning. So when they cut to the movie, it, it took me like half a second to to adjust my internal expectations to what they actually did. Seth, as an actor, do you think this was well, this would have been a difficult sketch or an easy sketch to act in, or maybe neither? I don't know how many takes it took them because I can't, I can't think uh, that you'd be able to do that with a straight face the first time through. Um, and it is one of those things that is just going to sort of perpetuate itself the longer it goes on. Like you're going to get to take 15 and you're not even going to be able to do anything. You're going to like start laughing and just have to take a minute and breathe. I, so I think from that standpoint, it probably would have been a fairly difficult sketch to be in. Unless you're, um, not a comedian. So you do find actors who take themselves very seriously. That's very true. Who would true. just keep escalating and be like, you know, what do you think that's going to work as well? So if you had some real actors who couldn't laugh at themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. Although that's, that's also something else that I was just thinking about a minute ago is as an actor, I want to say it feels true to the way that this is perceived. It's the power imbalance between director and actors, right? The, both actors know they're being asked to do something that is wrong for the movie. It is absolutely wrong for what they want to do. And yet, other than a little bit of balking and some frustration and swearing, they do it, right? And, and we don't ever, we, we don't even know if they convinced him to let them do a straight take. We do know that if they did, it never made it to the cutting yeah. room floor. But it looks like they just went ahead, you know, Mouths open as happy as possible. And they were just like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Fine. Fuck it. Colin, when you introduced the sketch, you said it still makes you laugh as much as it did the first time you saw it when you were 14. Why is that? It, just the way they scream. Like, I don't know how else to put it. I like was trying to like take down some notes the other night to like have something thoughtful to say about the comedy here. But it's just like these guys just screaming and like they don't want to. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like they're like kind of trapped in their bodies and the way they're screaming is probably how they feel, but they don't want to do that. It's funny that you say that with like going to take notes. And I find that when I sit down to try and 
you know, take notes and write the questions that we're going to talk about during the sketch. If it's a sketch I really like, like this one, I have a lot of trouble thinking of questions for it because I'm just like, I'm just enjoying this. And so often, and I was talking with our producer about this before the show, Isaiah, he's wonderful. Um, I was saying, I find it much easier to write questions for sketches I don't like because then I can just be like, I don't think that worked. I don't think that worked. I just turn those things into questions. But for this, it's like, I don't think I wrote great questions for this discussion. Well, Colin pointed out, it's very, there's one joke, well executed. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the the movie itself is really dumb. It's like this detective that thought it was a lover's quarrel. And it's like, obviously. <laughs> yeah, like, it was a lover's quarrel. Yeah. yeah. That, like, that's kind of funny in itself. Um, and like hearing that dialogue over and over, it's like, yeah, this movie's really dumb. Uh, and it's made by a dumb director. Or you could call him a dumb director. But. I, I kind of want to go back to something you were asking Seth earlier. Yeah. I want to elaborate on was, um, I to me, I thought this the reason why this sketch flows so well because I think it's probably coming from a super honest place. Uh, the way that like the director and the actors like frustrations with one another, you can it just flows so well. It's probably because I assume it's because it's creative people having commentary on the creative process. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably why it works so well because they were like, oh, we know this director. Or maybe they're just making fun of their cells when they're trying to direct one another. And this is a way to vent their frustrations. But I'm curious, Seth, if you kind of go back to what you were talking about earlier with your experience in acting, like, would you relate to that? Okay, so I relate to this more, for, and it's not even necessarily stuff that happened to me in college, but it's stuff that my friends would tell me. There was one of the acting teachers at our school whose constant note was, raise the stakes and you'll be fine. And that was it. That was it. That was the, that was the note that he would give to just about everybody. Just raise the stakes and you'll be fine. It's like, okay, well, that's helpful up to a point, but that's it. That's all we need to do is invest more, have our characters invest more in this scene and magically... Yeah. That'll happen. Um, I've, I have heard that note in that same kind of way before. Yeah. It's like, give it, me more than that. It's like, yes, were you paying attention to what was happening? <laughs> uh, but from this, this sketch felt to me like they were parodying somebody in particular. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's somebody that we're meant to know. Yeah. I think it's somebody that they know. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that it, felt, it felt a little bit too specific. To, to just be like, oh, we're going to take the idea of a weird director and go ahead and put him in this scene. Yeah. So part of me thinks that like there probably was originally a lot more to this sketch because if it was out of frustration and then the editor was like, let's, let's let those things die on the floor. Let's, <laughs> let's just keep this to the joke. And that's probably what made it such, in my opinion, like a really good sketch because it was just so honest and th there was just a lot of energy in it. And, again, I'm, kind of speculating here, yeah. but well, and, and, and kind of building off that and show what you said earlier about it being one joke that is executed really well. Like, why does it work for whatever the three and a half, four minutes that this sketch is if it's just one joke? And they commit to the joke. So you see that there are like, there are multiple cameras set up. So it's a very expensive set. It's a somber, there's a lot of things driving the joke, right? It's a somber set. Uh, there are lots of people out there for these lines, and there's it's just one director. No one has any more feedback, so it's funny because it just repeats. Mm -hmm. They escalate in how they do their execution. Yeah, it just it just works. So as somebody who has directed and given this direction, the sketch 
Um, You've given the note happier with your mouth open. <laughs> well, not with the mouth open, but I, I do, uh, I do just some direction for like um, some videos that are less exciting. So maybe training videos. And so once someone's reading it, they might read it like, and then you have to open the pamphlet and remember to use the table of contents to reference this. And so I will say, okay, a little more chipper. <laughs> And and then we'll do it. And I and sometimes the actors will give some pushback and say, <laughs> I don't I don't feel like the line should be written this way. And um there is that power dynamic. You say, it's like I well, am God. Well, yes, and I was like, Well, I don't feel like signing your check, so <laughs> we are now at an impasse. Well, no, that's that's exactly it, right? Because if you buck the director, then well, you're probably not gonna work for that director again, and the director's gonna tell all his or her director friends, and then that's gonna be a problem. Uh, Colin, so happier sorry. and with your mouth yeah, open. Yeah, basically. so you do it. Colin, you, um, as you as you noted, and we confirmed this is our first Whitest Kids You Know sketch, what are some things that make this like a Whitest Kids You Know sketch? Is there anything in it? I think, so they like, they write their sketches and like, they're very traditional. Uh, it's kind of like three beats to it. But the joke itself is just like, the first thing that comes to mind is just dumb. <laughs> Oh, and to, to that point, as the director who's given the credit, I felt yeah. dumb saying it, but I'm like, I don't know how to fix this scene. Um, so that's that's like then you start trying to throw out emotions. Yeah. So yeah. that, but then it's it's even funnier in this one because it's clearly the wrong way to fix this scene. Oops. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say like, I mean, if you're familiar with your other work, like um, slow jerk. Slow jerk. Well, it, it what what made me think of is this, like, their stuff is dumb and dark. Yeah. Like Gallon PCP is really dark. The Grapist is really dark which I think is my favorite sketch of theirs. It, um, but you can tell they probably spent so much time just focusing on like one specific yeah. dark moment. And they, and this one's more lighthearted than the rest for sure. But like you could see like the same, like this could be on Mad TV almost, or even like in some way, shape or form on SNL, but not that joke. Like this structure yeah. and like a bad director trying to get actors that are playing, like even the the scene about the, the detectives in the gruesome murder scene, like that could still be an SNL, but not that joke. And like, just couldn't be pulled off as well, especially with the laugh track. Like, I don't think that would have worked. One of the things I thought was really interesting in this sketch is that, Cho mentioned this earlier, there's a long buildup, but your first kind of joke or hint that it's something silly is Trevor Moore's character, the taller of the detectives, saying, I thought it was a lover's quarrel. Yeah. And that's not on the game, it, but it's like this... You have watched this serious scene, and it's your first sign that, like, okay, what is this? Is this is going to be something different than this? And then it goes in a different direction. But I thought that was really interesting um, that the first joke, after a long buildup, because I I feel like oftentimes you'll have a sketch, much like any episode of The Simpsons or Family Guy, where there's a couple minutes that aren't on the plot of the episode. It's just a couple of – there's like a random sub-story. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then I know that when we do sketches, oftentimes the first couple jokes maybe aren't quite – they're just more like warming you up for the game. But this one has a long buildup and then a joke that's not the game before the game starts. And I just thought that was interesting. I, I think they kind of need to build the world of like where they live because like the director like comes back with them for motivation later and like you're you're off the you want to go off the books and so like they kind of need to build that storyline which I don't know how to write around that or not but there maybe there was a solution there but I kept going back and forth before we recorded today like could they have made that shorter? Could they not have? And I almost think like you need that time to build yeah. up. To build the tension. Oh, take absolutely. Like invest in the story. 
Yeah. And you know, to, it gives you also time to ask yourself, well, what's going to happen? Because you know it's a sketch. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of waiting for, well, is it just going to be this bad movie? Is, mm-hmm. is that what's going on? Uh, one of the things that I actually thought was really good was waiting to tell the second actor yes. that note. It was like, okay, let me give the first actor this note. Okay, and we're going to do this. I'm like, all right, all right. And then he calls the second actor over for a conference. I'm like, well, what's he going to yeah, tell what, this guy? What's the yeah. ridiculous thing yeah. going to be for this? And then it's the same, and then as it just devolves in in the best way. And it, it, again, it just like the guy that's playing the director is just like so he's good at it, and it's like too sincere. It's like, man, you guys must have really hated some director before because you're you, you're yeah. selling us on this a lot. Oh, I'm just saying, and it's like the director is not a caricature, except at the very end when it's funny and it makes sense. He's not like power mad. He's not crazy. He's just like, no, 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 no. And just just happier and and with your mouth open. Yeah. It's a little condescending almost, but like it worked. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. Our second sketch of the day is brought to us by Shoa. Shoa, tell us about the sketch. Great, thank you. Um, this sketch is put on by Above Average, and it's called Your Upstairs Neighbors. Everyone's Upstairs Neighbors. Thank you. It's called <laughs> Everyone's Upstairs Neighbors. And um, Above Average is a production company, and it was originally associated with Lauren Michaels as part of his YouTube channel. And it features players from SNL and other comedians in various sketches. Here's a clip. We want the sounds to be different, but completely unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like bowling balls. That can't be what it is, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like bowling balls. Is it a bowling ball? Is it a metal barrel? You never know because sometimes we get metal barrels. <laughs> you knew we were twisted, though. <laughs> Julia is a fountain of creativity. Oh. All right, Shoah, why did you pick this sketch? Um, I picked this sketch because I live in an apartment condo, and for a while, the unit above us was generating these very interesting noises. And so um, this sketch just really resonates with me, and I, I always wonder what's going on up there, who it is. Um, at one point, there was silence, and I was so pleased, and I found out she had died. Mm. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, Here at the on same the time, sketch comedy <laughs> review podcast, um, but at the same time, I also found out she was very old and I was like, okay, but she was, what playing had she been mar- doing great. to make all was, that noise? Was, she kept dropping things and she was playing marbles. Like what was going on up there? And I, I'll never know. And this video, because she's dead, yeah, because she's dead. but the, the video, um, was great because it, it excites the imagination and it, again, it resonates. Colin, I want to. Ask you first a question about the production style, as you have a background in production. Mm -hmm. Yes. This seems actually very similar to a series that Bad Medicine did. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Called Gen Why Not. And it also, it just seems like content that is particularly made for the Facebook age. What is it about that? Um, I don't don't think I'm going to- That was a horribly phrased question, but you know what I meant. Yeah, I know what you mean, because in my notes I have, it feels BuzzFeedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's- what is BuzzFeedy? Like, it feels like it's going to resonate with audiences. It feels like it's a funny list. It is a list, yes. Yeah, yeah it is a list sketch, which I, like, 
there's a lot of good list sketches out there, and this is probably one of the better ones in like the age of Facebook and uh, like all these viral publishers. Um, I think it speaks for itself because it's like six million views on YouTube and probably like fifty million on, on Facebook. I remember seeing this when like first went viral, but it's I think it's the all they were shot with all the same cameras, and they probably have like all the similar lights. I probably couldn't name the equipment off the top of my head. They have like this, there's a written script, like narration, and then I feel like they just shoot a bunch of B-roll and they kind of figure out the sketch in the edit. Um, you can tell like so. some of it were, they're like, when we're just dancing around and it cuts to her dancing or it's like there's a giant baby upstairs and it shows him walking like a baby. Like obviously some of that's written, but part of me just feels like they were just, there's a lot of improv that goes on there. And they're not even sure like what they're going to do with the marbles or some of those things. And I feel like they kind of, they're kind of having fun with it. And I'm curious just how, how they structure that. Cause it just doesn't feel like they had a, like a full plan going into it. Does that make sense? Oh, I actually thought the opposite. And I was going to ask you about this and that there were 15 physical jokes in two minutes. Yeah. And there were a lot of props. So they had to have all those balloons prepped. They had to have the wood planks prepped. They had to have the chains. They had to have the the things you strapped to your feet, um, the bowling balls. They weren't props you'd have readily available. So I was. I don't know where you live. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I was wondering how long it would take to to plan something like that where you know you have to film all of these scenes that require like constant yeah. setup um, and just from a sound standpoint, capturing that or if that could even be done in post, it seemed like a bit of a nightmare. So it's funny that you say it was probably edited together after they had just filmed everything. Whereas I thought, oh, you must've spent like hours putting together like your list of how you're going to film this one. I, I think they like, they planned, like they had like a running like s- script beforehand and they're like, all right, we're going to do this here. And, and that, and that was probably really well executed just in the way that it actually ended up in the edit. Mm-hmm. I, part of me feels like that wasn't planned when we were doing some gen Y stuff, like specifically one that I edited, there was a ton of stuff we rearranged in the edit because we were just like, we ended up getting funny B-roll of them doing, we had one of like millennials doing trick shots and like, we're like, oh, that one fits way better at the beginning of the sketch than it does at the end. Like, let's switch all that around. And some of my friends that are editors can like tell, we figure that out in the edit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What are some tells? Let the audience know your secrets. Uh, I don't know if I can put my finger on it. There's just like a way you're like, that was like that just has nothing to do with like what the VO is currently saying or like what the actors are currently talking about. Um, I'm trying to think of a moment in this sketch in particular, but um, Andy and I worked on one called clogged where there was a ton of props involved and that took a, we had to clog a toilet and that took so long to plan. So I'm pro- they probably deserve more credit than I'm giving them right now. Well, and, and, and on clogged, we, I had written the script and I had just written a list sitting at my computer, not even really tangibly thinking about how would we shoot this. There are things like a puppy mm-hmm. on the list. Like it's just a really long list <laughs> of things. And so no. then we went and we looked at the list and thought, okay, how many of these things can we do? And then Colin grabbed random shit from his apartment and I grabbed random shit from my apartment. We were just like, okay, what are just some random things we can just shoot? We'll sit here for two hours and I'll just pull stuff out of the toilet. And that's what we did. Um, Seth, this sketch uses the testimonial as a big part of setting up humor and 
delivering the sketch, really delivering the humor. How do you feel about the testimonial? Have we have we passed the peak age of the testimonial? Is it still an effective comedic device? Pop culture and humor are cyclical. It's tough to say. I think we we might be past the the first blush of the testimonial, but I'm sure there's there's still mileage in that. In this one, I mean, in addition, we talked about it. It's a, a list sketch. Colin said it's a particularly good list sketch, and it is because it's disguised. It's not a traditional list sketch. It's after you watch it, you go, oh, that's right. There were a, a number of absurd things that came one after the other. But it's also a good testimonial because of the quality of the actors they got to play the upstairs neighbors who are completely deadpan and earnest throughout, Right. They are very committed to their artistic vision as upstairs neighbors. They make personal sacrifices to make sure that their downstairs neighbor gets the full sound experience that they want her to have. Aural pleasure, you could say. I would say aural pleasure, uh, which (laughs) you can also buy uh, from a shoe for 20 pounds. But that's... Oh, hey, a reference to a previous episode of Sketch Nerds. Indeed. But I think... um, I think as long as you're doing something well, I think to an extent it doesn't matter whether that thing has captured the zeitgeist. It might matter in terms of your immediate fame and money, but if it's something that's done well, somebody eventually is going to find it and go, hey, this is a really great example of the thing that you were doing. And I think actually this sketch might be one of those. What made me think of that question was just like watching the testimonials, obviously, and thinking about The Office and then Parks and Recreation. Because I remember watching, it was like bloopers or something from Parks and Recreation. It was like after Amy Poehler did her final testimonial and she was like, finally, I never have to do one of these fucking things again. Yeah. Because it was clearly like Parks and Recreation had started coming off of The Office where like the testimonial really big. And then by the end, it's like there was not kind of it was not as effective of a device or at least maybe it had just like worn out its welcome a little bit um, for Parks and Recreation. So that's what it made me think of with this, with this sketch. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say because the testimonial is still going strong. Also, this is obviously nearly infinitely shorter than Parks and Rec. So it doesn't <laughs> very have true. Very to, true. Uh, to wear out its welcome. But um, no, I think that a testimonial is, so and again, the actors doing the testimonials are one of the big strengths of the sketch. I really loved when they're doing the sex noises and they're like incredibly yeah. straight faced doing like just lying next to each other <laughs> yeah. on the bed, making yeah. these ridiculous noises. And then, yeah. and well, they did exactly what I, I wanted them to do in that scene was, yeah. And when we actually have sex, we're, we're pretty quiet. Yeah. <laughs> show one of the things that you, you had said in an email before this show is that you liked the aesthetic choices and the design choices in this video. Why did you like that? And why does it add to the sketch? Oh, great question. So it is, it's a bright sketch and without knowing anything about cameras or lighting, I just, I thought the, the bright whiteout was, it just made it more airy and fun because it could have been a darker sketch. Like they could have been kind of evil. Like we're going to destroy her. Um, and it could have taken a different tone, but they were this loving couple and, um, you know, and it just, just visually the aesthetic made it clear that they were loving and, uh, friendly and they were, they thought they were doing something really nice and noble and it all just worked together. So I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty. <laughs> the, um, even, even the part at the end when they're basically closing the door in her face and yes. giving her the brush off, 
that to me, at least the way I interpreted it was that is part of their act. That is something that is not how they actually are. That is something that they're doing as part of this experience. Yeah. Um, wait, so can you correct me? Like, is the lighting, do you think it was just a camera or shot weirdly or? I don't know. I, it's the, I like the tone. Like, I think the tone like fits this pretty well. And I don't want to correct you. <laughs> it, well, yeah, I, I got like pastels. I, saw, I, I felt a lot of pastel colors in it with the blue. I, I don't think it's just like, it's just like the way, like you can tell that this isn't directed by like a seasoned director or anything like that. Like you can tell it is directed and probably edited by millennials. Uh, Why is that? I'm so yeah. intrigued by that. Because <laughs> like if you, if I've watched way too many BuzzFeed videos and I've like watched them not, I don't want to like be mean to BuzzFeed, but like I've just watched them be like, why are these videos getting so many views? And you can just tell like they all kind of going back to where we're talking about the office, like not even just the testimonials, but the way like they do these quick zoom ins and like the way it's handheld and some of the ways they use natural lighting, um, even just like the lens they're using, you can tell that they're all pretty much made same equipment with people with the same expertise and experience. I think that's a long way to say it, but uh, that hopefully that answers your question. Oh, no. So you don't think it was like an intentional aesthetic. You're like, this is how they all are. I think it's the style. It is It is intentional in that it is yeah. in the style, but perhaps not intentional for this specific video. Is that yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, I think this is just like the style of like the mid 2010s, whatever decade we're in. This is the teens. Yeah, the teens. <laughs> Still, I haven't had to say that phrase yet. I haven't had to like label this decade. Yeah, it'll happen later. Yeah. What, we, what we Someone's going to come back and listen to this podcast. Decade. Yeah. That's awkward. The aughts. Shoah, you were talking about all the different examples in here. Do the examples escalate? Do they need to escalate? That's a good question, as all of your questions are, Andy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're not all good. Um, <laughs> no, that's... Uh, a good point. They, I guess they don't really escalate. They're they're all in a similar vein. And um, and actually, the comment section on this video said that, hey, you missed a couple. Like, you forgot to get them dragging chairs across um, one from the other or, like, rollerblading across the room. The internet will never be satisfied. They yeah, won't be true. satisfied, but it's it just such a rich um, selection of things to go through. So it, it doesn't – you're right. It doesn't really escalate. But given the nature of the topic, it doesn't have to escalate because you're just – I guess I guess they could do a murder. Yeah, you're right. I guess it could have, could have escalated. No, it didn't escalate. I don't think it had to, but it could have cha- changed the tone of it. Maybe like one the one thing that was like missing for me was like w- besides like this being art, like what satisfied them about this? Because uh, at the end of it, like I I forget the line that they say to the neighbor at the end. They're like, "Thank you." Thank yeah, and they just kind of like shut the door and they like say something about being passive aggressive, and I was like, "Wait, what? Like what? How does that?" How's that tie in with art? And like, if we could get a little more like motivation from them or just like where they're coming from on this, besides just because they seem to be like getting off to this <laughs> more. And like, I'm like, is that art or is that? But I mean, then that you get into a huge debate over that. But that, that's a constant art question I have. I knew this one person who performed like a live circumcision for art. Oh my God. Memorial? I was going to say, uh, aren't no, all circumcisions live? Oh, no, sorry. It was his own circumcision in front of an audience. Ooh. And at the end, he took a nail and he, like, hammered into the wall and the blood splashed <laughs> everywhere. And it was just, you know, it's that same question. Like, why are you doing this? And uh, for those of you listening at home, <laughs> never, never self-moil, folks. That's, uh, it's... 
All right, Colin, it's time for our final thoughts on the show. As the guest, can you come up with a rating system for how we rate these sketches today? Should I just do like one through ten? Be creative. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. We, we usually do something that ties into one or both of the sketches, but really doesn't make too much sense if you do more than scratch the surface. So should we like scream like like higher scream is better the sketch? I don't know how Isaiah would feel about <laughs> that. Our producers process. run out of the it's room. going to blow out the cans. Uh, I think it was a serial killer. <laughs> Yo, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. All right, you go first. Oh, yeah, what? no, but can we technically do it? I, I know it as an editor, this is a nightmare. If it blows I'll out, do it like, yeah. We're, we're getting the thumbs up, I think. Bit. Yeah. Okay, okay. Quiet, your quiet yell. Okay. Okay. Uh, higher pitch is better the but sketch. Pitch, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then just lower pitches. That, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, right. Like, so. For the first one, for, um, for happier with your mouth open. We didn't say whose ranking was what, but I think that's fine. All right. And now, uh, so that order was Colin, Andy, Seth, Shoah. And let's do that order again, just for consistency's sake, for everybody's upstairs neighbor. Uh, Harsh. uh, (laughs) Oh, awesome. All right, Colin. Thank you. I don't have tone control. I wasn't trying to be as negative as I sounded there. Wait, harsh, Colin. Well, I just want to point out that only one of us here has had any operatic training, and it's not any of the dudes <laughs> or the ladies. No, you but just said it. So like, you that sounded you very operatic. Yeah. Say, I've, oh, I've awesome. had yeah. voice training, <laughs> operatic training, not operatic okay, training. There we go. Acapella. Colin, thanks for joining us on thanks today's show, me. and thanks for everyone for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. Colin, where can our listeners find you online, or do you want them to find you? Uh, I, maybe. Uh, just find me on Twitter, Colin Chocola, chocolate without the T. That's how you spell my last name. Oh, that's a good. That's uh, good. Yeah, that's the easiest way to get people to understand how to spell it. Or uh, you can go to my website. I don't know if there's information on there. I think my old work email's on there. So I gotta change that. But and I bet they could also find your work at a uh, badmedicinecomedy.com. Oh yeah, check out our YouTube. I think it's search bad mess in DC. Our producer again is not looking. If you just search bad medicine, you'll get the Bon Jovi song. Um, So be sure to throw that DC on there. Listeners, please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find out more about sketch nerds and bad medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketch nerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Colin Chocola, Seth Alcorn, Shoa Appleman, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, Fair Use Exemption, for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com. 